Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. We're continuing a series called Better, and in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at verses that have the word better in them, and uh, better is this or better is that, because we believe that God's ways are infinitely better than ours, and so we're looking at what is it in God's word that we could do that would be better for us, and so we've got four verses that we're taking a look at. Last week, we uh, took a look at a verse that said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord. Than, live in the, than dwell in the tents of the wicked, right? That was the verse that we did last week. And we talked about what it looked like to spend a day with God. So if you missed that, you can listen to that on our app. You can listen to that podcast. Uh, and today we're going to continue in that. We're going to talk uh, on this particular verse. Now, at the beginning of this series, I challenged you guys and I said, hey, let's try to memorize some of these scriptures, right? And so it, hopefully you, you wrote down last week's scripture verse and you looked at it a couple times this week and that you hide it in your heart. You say, Aaron, why is it so important that we do that? Well, God's word says that my, your word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And you say, well, Aaron, I don't do anything evil. Well, that's not what necessarily what sin is just about. Sin is when we take over and start doing things our ways. We forget his way of doing things, right? And so it's important that we take his word and hide it in our heart because his ways are better. His ways are better. And so I'm gonna challenge you once again today to memorize the scripture verse. I'll give it to you in just a minute. And today's message, I feel like, has the ability to impact you on a greater scale than, than most of the messages that I will do this year. But because of that potential, I also feel like you'll have the ability to kind of brush this one off. And you go, oh, okay, that was really nice. You're right. I could use some changes in my life, but you're gonna walk out the door and not be changed. Don't let that happen today. Don't let that happen today. Don't, don't look at the simplicity of what I'm going to share with you and go, oh, well, that, that's really nice. It was a good reminder and then not change anything. I believe that God today wants us to uh, see some changes occur in your life and that you will see them if you'll listen to him, if you'll follow his lead. And the truth is, is that in this particular lesson, you're either going to learn it the easy way or you're going to learn it the hard way, okay? You can learn it the easy way and trust, trust me and trust what God's word says today, that this is the best way, this is the better way, or you can just find out later on in life the hard way that you should have been doing it this way the whole time. So it's your choice. It, it, God wants to make choice, changes in your life, and if you choose to follow his lead, you'll discover what's better. Otherwise, you'll get to the end of your life and look back and just live with regrets. And who here wants to live with regrets? Right, that's what I thought. So to kind of lay a foundation of where I'm going today, some of you guys know when I walked up here with this bag, you instantly started heavy breathing because you know what this is. This is a bag of uh, Chipotle is what this is, right? And uh, I actually had a lot of difficulty getting through the first service because uh, in, inside is actually some burritos. And um, anybody here ever had a Chipotle burrito? Like, I don't really remember what life was like before Chipotle, like, because life began the day that I had Chipotle. Like, you know, like it was life and life more abundantly, what Jesus talks about. Prophecy was fulfilled in the opening of Chipotle in Colorado by Steve Ells many years ago. Yes, I'm that big of a Chipotle nerd. <laughs> but I love Chipotle, and uh, 
and, and I, I would say that, that these burritos today are going to represent one of life's uh, and culture's greatest lies that we, that we buy into and what they're teaching us. They're teaching us that if one is good, then two is better, right? If one is good, then two is better or more is better. Trying, culture and the world is trying to teach us that if we play one sport, that playing two sports is better. That if we have one dollar, that, well, that's good, then let's have two dollars, right? Or if I have one car, let's have two cars. If I have one kid, that's good. Let's have three kids in my case, right? Or if you have one wife, then two is not better, guys. Look, two, two is just trouble. Don't mess around with that. Two is just trouble, okay? That's a hot mess. You say, yeah, but, but Solomon, he had a lot of wives, Aaron. Look, if you do the research, you'll find out that Solomon had so many wives that he had had enough wives he could kiss a different one twice a day for an entire year. That's how many wives, over 700 wives he had. We're talking to some of my seminary teachers about why that was the case. They said, well, Solomon was one of the wisest men, and he had hope that someday he would come home and find at least one of them in a good mood. That's why he had so many. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Lighten up. But you can see this lie that if one is good, then more is better, all playing out all the way back in the beginning of the story of, of Genesis, Right? All the way back in the Garden of Eden, we watched this play out. If you don't know the story, here's kind of a quick little breakdown for you. Adam and Eve, or Adam was the first man ever made, and God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for him to be alone, so I'm going to give him a helpmate, okay? And this helpmate, uh, I'm going to take him from Adam. So he caused Adam to fall into a sleep. He took one of his ribs, and he created Eve. Adam wakes up, and he goes, whoa, man, and she was woman from then on. And, uh, and so they lived happily in the garden, and God said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to... I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply, and I want you to enjoy all of this garden except, except one thing. I don't want you to eat from this tree. Eat everything else. Enjoy it all. It's all yours. It's underneath your dominion. Just don't touch this one thing. So they had all of this stuff except one. And, the, and then the enemy comes along. Satan presents himself in the form of a serpent, and he lies to Eve, and he says, hey, look at all this stuff you've got. But the one thing you don't have, well, that's the one thing that you need, right? And so Eve kind of buys into that lie. She says, you know, one is good, but more is better. And I, this is, this, I got all this good stuff, but that's what I don't have, so I've got to have it. And so she gives into it, and she ate the fruit. And, of course, you know from there, Adam ate the fruit, and then they're kicked out of, out of the Garden of Eden, and sin enters, enters into our world. All the way back at the beginning of the story, this lie has been used on us. One is good, more is better. I remember a few years ago that uh, when I worked at Chase Bank out in Grandview, Chipotle was one of our clients. They bring us their deposits, and sometimes their, comp their, their transactions were complicated. It is Chipotle, after all. Everybody's going there. They'd bring in lots of cash transactions, and sometimes those transactions weren't right. Well, one Saturday, it was all kind of messed up, and my, my teller spent a lot of time trying to figure out what was wrong with the transaction and getting it right for him and all the documentation, blah, blah, blah. Chipotle was really thankful for that, and so the manager brought back not a few burritos. There was only uh, five of us working that day, not just like one for each of us. He brought back a box of burritos. I think this is like 15 burritos, 15 to 20 burritos, if anybody can confirm that information. Nobody knows. Okay, cool. But it's a lot of burritos, all right? And so there's only a few of us working. And so what that meant for me, a Chipotle-loving fool, was that at lunch that day, I was not going to have one burrito. I was going to have two. And so I sat down, and I had two burritos for lunch. 
and I pushed myself to the limit. It was fantastic. Last two hours of my shift, I don't even remember them. I think I might have slept through them. <laughs> then the end of my shift came, and I went back to just check on the burritos to see, you know, because if two is good, then, well, two more would be better. And sure enough, the burritos weren't all gone. There was actually two of my tellers of the five that were supposed to eat all these burritos that didn't even like Chipotle and wouldn't eat it. So I took two more home, not wanting to be a total pig, and I took two more home for dinner. It was this day that I discovered how much that I loved Chipotle's hot salsa. It was the next day that I discovered how much I did not like Chipotle's hot salsa. But I had two burritos for lunch and two burritos for dinner, and all I remember was being very, very sick that night and the next day. It was just way too much. Sometimes more is not better. Sometimes more is just more. And it's not all that good, even though every bite was delicious. It's just not always that good. So today, here's where we're going. I just want to give you an overarching theme for the day. Here it is. I'll put it up on the screen. If you're taking notes, if you're committed to taking notes, doing something you've never done before so that you can have something you've never had, you can take notes on that connection card. Here's where you want to take notes. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. So this week, just like last week, we committed to memorizing the verse, and we're going to go over this verse, and I'm going to give it to you. I want to ask you to write it down, to say it to yourself a couple times, and try to remember it. Try to hide it in your heart. Here's the verse. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. This is Ecclesiastes 4, 6. This is Solomon speaking. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. What, what, is, what, what, is, what is better here? It's, it's having one handful. You notice I still have two burritos, two burritos because two is better. But it's one handful with another handful free, or with another hand free, right? What am I talking about? I'm talking about your life. This is representation of your life. It's better to have one part of your life full and the other part of it free. There's margin. Why? Because if one hand is free and the other one is, or one hand is full and the other is free, well, if somebody needs help, then I'm free to help them. I have a hand that I can use to help them. I have time in my schedule because it's not full. I have space in my finances to help, to give to somebody who needs help. If somebody needs a hug, I can give them a hug. I've got a free hand to do that. If somebody needs encouragement, I've got God's word in my heart. I've, I've, I've got space in my schedule to read my Bible so that I can encourage them and bless them and love them. Better is one handful with tranquility. What is that word tranquility? It's peace. It's peace than two handfuls with toil. What is toil? It's stress. It's stress because somebody comes along in my life and they need help. And I've got so much stuff in my life. My schedule is full to the max. I've got no margin to help you move. I've got no margin to come and sit in the dirt with you when you're going through a difficult time in your relationship. I have no extra finances because I spend it all. Every dollar that I make, I spend every single month. There's no way I could possibly help you. I'm full. And because I'm full, I'm constantly in a state of stress, toil, and because I've got more and I've bought into the lie that more is better, I'm chasing after the wind. What does this mean? It means I'm chasing after something I'm never going to catch. You're never going to have enough. 
when you chase after the wind. You can't help people. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Jesus took this subject head on. He's talking to some people, and this is what he says in Luke. Uh, in Luke 12, 15, he says, then Jesus said to them, watch out. Now, that's an exclamation point. When you see exclamation points in your Bible, when you see grammar that, that indicates, hey, Jesus is not saying, watch out. He's saying, watch out. Hey, look out. Be on guard. Heads up. There's a bus coming, and you're stepping right out in front of it. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because there's all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed. It'll creep up on you if you don't watch out. If you're not constantly paying attention, I don't mean you just check yourself today. Constantly be on guard every day against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's saying, watch out. Be careful. More isn't better. Watch out for the greed because your life doesn't consist in what you have. And then Jesus, after he says this, he tells a story about a guy who's successful. He says, the guy looks at everything he has and his barns are full and he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tear down these barns. I'm gonna build bigger ones and then I'm gonna eat, drink, and be merry and just enjoy life. And then God appears to that man and says, tonight your life, your very life will be required of you. He's taken it from him. You say, Aaron, does that mean the guy died? Well, I'm talking about more than just death. You see, we're all going to die. He's talking about his life. The things that are most important to him will be required of him. They will be taken from him because he's chasing after more. Two handfuls with toil, chasing after the wind, instead of one handful with tranquility, which is that peace that God wants us to have. And then Jesus buttons it all up and says this in verse 21. He says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Anyone who wants more, who desires more in this life but doesn't have a relationship with God, your life will be taken from you. The things that satisfy you will be taken from you. What am I talking about? Relationships. What am I talking about? The, the, the intimacy of friendships your spouse, your, your marriage, these things can be taken from you when you chase after more. Look, I'm not telling you that God is upset that you have stuff. I, I don't believe that at all. I don't think he cares about what you have. What he cares about is what has you. Like, are you rich in the right things? Are you rich in him? That is what he cares about. It is better to have less of what doesn't matter in your life and more of what does. So if it's better to have less of what doesn't matter, or what does matter, if it's better to have more of what does matter, what does matter to you? Does that make sense? I feel like I said that really wrong. If it's better to have more in your life of what matters, then my question to you is, what matters to you? What matters to you? In fact, I would ask you to define it, to write it down. If you're taking notes, write it down. For those of you that don't know what matters most to you, let me put it to you this way. Imagine you just went to a doctor's office and he just gave you 30 days to live. And the things that you would say right now in that moment, I've got 30 days left to live, this is what matters most to me, that's what matters most to you in your world, period. That's how you answer that question. So what is it that matters most to you? I asked this question on Facebook this week. I posted it up there in a couple places and I asked people, what matters most to you if you had 30 days to live? And people started posting my favorite one was this guy said, man, 
He said, you know what I'd do if I had 30 days to live? He said, I'd go skydiving. I'd go Rocky Mountain climbing. I'd do 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. This is a song for you, those of you who don't know that. Others of you gave real responses. And you said, God, God would be the most important thing to me. My family, my wife, my kids, making memories with my kids. Because if I'm not going to be here in 30 days, my stuff doesn't matter. Just memories, making memories with them. Others of you said traveling to places you've never been that you've kind of put off doing. Experiences. Those are the things that are most important to you. You know what wasn't on anybody's list? Their money. How much money they were going to have when they died. What wasn't on their list was how big their house was. Their leather sofas in their house. Their granite countertops. None of that was on their list. None of them said, well, I, for the next 30 days, I'm really going to focus on my career and do the best that I can there and climb the corporate ladder. That, that wasn't what mattered most to people. Nobody said that the amount of Twitter followers, followers that I have or how many people liked my last post matter. No, nobody said anything about that. Nobody said my scores on Flappy Bird or Angry Birds is the most important thing to me and getting that high score in the next 30 days. No, nobody said that. Nobody, nobody cared about that. Nobody said, man, I've been rocking this Windows phone for too long and I need to take out, go out and get an iPhone because I've never had one and it ultimately is the best. <laughs> I love you, Ray. Nobody, nobody cared about what kind of phone they had. Nobody. They all cared about God and their family. They listed their most important things and yet, if we look at our lives these things that don't really matter are the things that we pursue with our time and our finances. Take a look in your checkbook. It'll reveal a lot about what you're pursuing in life. Where you're spending your time and your money is where, you, you, where you've determined what you determine matters most. And if it's not on these things that you listed that you would care about in the next 30 days, your priorities are off. Your priorities are off. That was free. It wasn't even in my notes. You can look at them later. That wasn't even in there. But I want to encourage you today to define clearly what matters most to you. And as you do, I pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit to help you let go of what doesn't matter so that you can embrace more of what does in your life. We call this one handful living. One handful living. And I hope that we can learn to do this because better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind. So I have a couple thoughts today that I would like to share with you and, and, uh, two, and a couple of, of applications, things that you can do, practical things that you can do as we go through this. The very first thought is, let go of what doesn't matter. Let go of what doesn't matter. This is how we can live a one handful life. Everybody say it with me. Let go of what doesn't matter. In Hebrews 12.1, it says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love this verse because it has so much good stuff in it. Let us throw off everything. What's included in everything? Everything. There is nothing excluded from this. Throw off everything. The word, the, the Greek word that is translated for throw off there 
If you would look at it and look at some of the other descriptors of it, it says to throw down violently. If you're not aware of what throwing down violently looks like, imagine one of those times you were walking through your house and you walked into a spider web. And you throw that stuff off of you. That is a throwing down violently, I would say. You know, and like for the next half hour, you're still checking yourself for that stupid spider web. It says to throw down violently those things that hinder you. And the sin, we understand that sin is not necessarily evil things. It's the things that we do our way. Throw down those things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What is the race marked out for us? It's God's purpose for our lives. It's his plan for our lives, what he wants to do with us, which is so much more than we could ever imagine. His way is better. His plan is better. Throw these things off. So as we consider how we throw things off, and we know that there is a plan, we also need to consider that there is an enemy of that plan. He's an enemy of our soul because he hates anything and everything that God cares about. And he will do anything he can to lure you away from that path, from finishing that race. He'll have all kinds of shiny doodads out there that you just got to have. The marketing is brilliant nowadays. They hook you with emotions and look so cool. You've got to have it. But he's, all he's trying to do is pull you off of the path. So we have to be willing to cast down that kind of stuff. How do we do that? Here's your three applications for the day if you're ready. Cut back, throw out, shut off. Cut back, throw out, shut off. Everybody with me now. Cut back, throw out, shut off. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it. What does it mean to cut back? Well, I really don't know what this looks like in your life, and I don't want to stand up here and tell you what you need to cut back on. But if I were to tell you the average thing that most people need to cut back on is their spending and their schedules. Spending and their schedules, those two things. See, we, and we need to cut back in our spending because what we do is we get our paycheck and we spend it. We spend every dime of it. We don't plan for savings. We don't plan to hold back and have a reserve. We just spend it all. We live at our means. And most of us get into credit and we live beyond our means. We buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't care about with money that we don't have. And then we worry about paying the bills every month. We need to cut back on our spending. We need to live beneath our means. What does that mean? I, mean, I don't have to have the biggest house. I don't have to have the fanciest car. I don't have to have anything that's new. I can buy it used. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I can live beneath my means so that I live this one handful life and have tranquility because at the end of the month, I have margin, right? Change the way we are living. Completely change everything. It's better to have one handful with money left over than two handfuls with fights and hurts and worry at the end of the month, isn't it? It would be better, infinitely better. Better is less with room to breathe. You know, some of us, you may need to downsize. That's a very real thing for you. You may need to downsize your house. You may need to downsize your car. You may need to downsize how much you're spending. I don't know. I'm not telling you to do that. Maybe it is. I, I don't know what that is for you. Ask God. He'll tell you and then follow him. It's better way better with financial room to breathe and ability to give than just to have lots of stuff. It's just better. Our schedules. Man, society causes us to go, go, go all the time. All the time. 
from kids' school schedules to their sports schedules to church schedules. We're a busy church. We're just as guilty. We got lots of stuff going on. The world pushes us to go, go, go all the time. You talk to people and you ask them, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, I'm really busy. Or the other response is, man, I'm tired. Because they're busy running around all the time. Their schedule is constantly full of stuff. We just experienced this. We did soccer this past season. We were at the soccer field five days a week. Ridiculous. I love my kids, but we do that one season. Some of y'all do that all the time. Every season, there's something. As soon as soccer's over, it's the next sport, and the next sport, and the next sport, and you're all year round running that hard. I don't know how you do it. I need a nap on Saturday afternoon every now and then. And every now and then, and when I say that, I mean every weekend I need a nap on Saturday afternoon. Come on, somebody. I am rested. I am happier. I have margin in my schedule for rest. And sometimes when people ask me how you're doing, I'm guilty of saying busy and tired, but there's other times I look at them and I'm saying, I'm refreshed. I actually feel great. They're like, what are you doing? Well, I have margin in my life. I took a nap today. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> so busy you can't take a nap we have to be careful we have to cut back on what society asks us to do cultures lied to us and told us that more is better and it's time to say no to the things that everyone is asking us to do so that we can say yes to the things that nobody else can do do you hear me the most successful people in the world say no to all kinds of things but it's the thing that they say yes to continually that one thing They say no to lots, and they say yes to very few things. And eventually, they're able to say yes to things that nobody else can say yes to because they are focused. Their life is focused. It's better. It's better. Something I've had to learn in the past three months is that there's lots of things that I could do, but there's lots of things that are way better that I should be doing. And I'd have to say no to to those things I could be doing to say yes to the things I should We need to learn this in our lives. We need to cut back. We also need to throw out. If you haven't used something in six months, I would say you probably don't need it in your life. Others of you would say, Aaron, I'll push back a little bit, fine. If you haven't used something in a year, you probably don't need it. And yet what we do is we wind up storing all of this stuff. We store it. Every year my family and I, we have a garage sale. You know what we do? We try to sell that stuff. And when nobody buys it, do you know what we do? We donate it. We find a goodwill and we donate it. Or we find someone in our life who wants something. Facebook is great. Hey, I got a gumball machine. I'll take it. Great. Get it out of my house. Why do I have a gumball machine? Can I turn to the side and show you why? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's amazing that homes that were built in 1910 had very small closets and minimal closets. But as we've gone along in American culture, our closets are now as big as the bedroom that I grew up in. They're massive. They're walk-in closets. And we fill up those closets, and then when those are full, we fill up our basements, and when those are full, we fill up our garages, and then we fill up our attics, and when all that is done, we go and rent more space. We rent a storage unit and fill it up too. Why? Because stuff matters. I have, I have some truth to tell you. You don't get to take it with you when you die, and eventually it's all going to burn, especially if you live in my house, because I live with my wife, and she's trying to burn down the house. I'm just telling you. If you weren't here Mother's Day, you missed all that. It's kind of an inside joke, but... It's all going to burn eventually. 
can't take it with you. Throw stuff out. The last thing you do is turn things off. Around your house, there are things that need to be turned off. Why? Because you're wasting your life, literally. Wasting your life. Sitting in front of the television, watching, binge-watching TV shows, which I'm just as guilty of. Binge-watching these shows, we are wasting our lives. We are never going to change the world around us. We are never going to have solid relationships. We are never going to have a better marriage. We're never going to have anything that is better when we are busy wasting our time in front of a TV. Never. Turn it off. Or sit down in front of the television and commit to watching one show and be done. Find a compromise. But find a way to turn it off, to disconnect, to unplug. Some of you, I'm going to just kind of meddle a little bit. Some of you, your cell phones have become your idol, your God. You are worshiping it. What does that mean? It means that everything in your life is pointed towards it. When we have a Godward orientation, everything in our life is pointed towards him. When you have a cell phone orientation, everything in your life is pointed towards it. If you're not sure if that's you or not, if you haven't been able to spend any of this time without pulling your phone out and taking a look at it, it might be you. You might have a problem. You might be worshiping the wrong thing. All of your life geared towards it, pushing people away so that you can spend time with it. I'm done meddling. No, I'm not. You go to dinner with people and you, and you look at a family of five sitting there. What are they all looking at? Not at each other. They're looking at their cell phones. Drives me mad. They're talking to everybody else except the people that are right there in front of them. And those are the people that matter the most. It's time that we turn off. It's time that we disconnect. Just create rules and boundaries in your home. That's all I'm talking about. I'm not saying turn it off permanently. I'm not saying get rid of it because TV is so, it's the devil. I'm not even going that way. If you want what is better, turn it off. Turn off your phones when it's dinner time. Maybe have a whole weekend where you commit to, hey, we're not going to play on our phones at all. Hey, guys, maybe when you go on a date with your wives or your girlfriends, how about you turn off your phone and don't look at it? I can't believe you'd say something like that. I'm offended. Well, good. Please identify yourselves, and ladies, just look around at the ones that are crossing their arms and offended and just don't have nothing to do with them. Thank you. Oh. This week as I was praying through how I could turn things off, I even looked at some of the apps that are on my phone, things that I'm just wasting time with. I gave my phone to my family, and I said, please, please log on. I have restrictions on my phone with a passcode that I don't know, because otherwise, what's the point? I can just unrestrict it, Right? They've got the passcode, and I said, please block Facebook. It's a real thing for me to have Facebook on my phone because I'll pull it out whenever I've just got five seconds. Anybody like any of my statuses? Do I got anybody I need to talk to? Driving, didn't matter. Standing in line. Instead of engaging with the world around me and what God's purpose might be for me, standing in line at the BMV or even at the Chipotle, what is everybody doing? Staring at Facebook. I said, Lord, take this from me. And so he gave me the idea. My kids blocked it, blockedfacebook.com. I can't even access it on my phone no more. That's what I did this week. Finding ways to eliminate the ways that I'm wasting my time because truth be told, God has a call on my life that is more important than anything else in this world. I don't have any time to be wasting. God has a call on your life and a plan and a purpose for your life as well. 
You need to stop wasting your time. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Some of you need to get really, really serious and let go of what doesn't matter. The last thing, the last thought that I said I'd have for you. Start fighting for what matters most. Start fighting for what matters most, for what does matter. In, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah comes back to Israel and he's b- helping build the walls because the Israelites are being attacked on a regular basis. They're living in fear. And as they're building the walls up, two guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, come to the people that are building and say, hey guys, come on down. You don't need to be doing this. This is ridiculous. And Nehemiah reminds them, no, no, no. You stay up on the wall. And this is what he says. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. These things are worth what we're doing. These are the most important things. Fight for them. We have to fight for what's important. We can't let culture lie to us anymore, guys. We have to fight for what matters most. Less of what doesn't matter, more of what does. We need to hold on to that. God created you to glorify him, to make a difference in this world, to love him, and to love people all around you. We need to watch out, be on our guard that this push to have more, more, more doesn't destroy our lives. Better is one handful with tranquility than two with a toil and a chasing after the wind. Years ago, I had a great job. I was working out in Grandview, and this was one of those jobs that was, like, perfect for me. I was growing in it. Growing in, in, in some, some ways that were just fantastic. It was provided travel, great atmosphere, great people, great part of town. Grandview's great. Love to work there, love to eat there. It's good. But going to Grandview every day was about a 40 minute, 45 minute drive there and back. 45 out, 45 back, hour and a half of my life. Sometimes during heavy traffic, it would be two hours. I remember one snowy day, it was four. And this is one of those jobs where you stay there a certain amount of time and they give you a company car, like a nice one. It was three months short of having that company car. They give you a gas card. They pay for all your gas and your travel and the insurance. It's nice. How many of you can say you've ever had a job like that? Right, this was rare. It's the only one I've ever had. My kids are starting to get older and I began to realize that, man, this job is taking a lot of time away from my family, taking a lot of time away from my home. And though it was providing great finances and and the stuff that I was learning was going to provide even more because I was getting ready to earn commission off of some of the stuff that I sold just for doing my job. And it was high, high commission. But I was missing my kids. I was missing that time with them. And so I prayed about it and talked with my wife. And I said, babe, I I don't want to miss this time with them anymore. Two hours a day may seem so small to you, but it was so important to me because they were my priority being present and available for my kids. So I found a job in Pickerington. Was it better than the the job I left? No. No. But my career didn't matter to me most. My family did. It's time that we begin to make decisions and align our lives with what matters most. Because in the end, your career does not matter most. How much money you have does not matter most. When we focus on what does, we find that fulfillment. We find that which is better. One handful with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind. It's better one handful with peace. Better one handful with a good marriage. Better one handful and you know your kids. Better one handful in intimate friendships. Better one handful 
and a great relationship with God. Better one handful and money left over at the end of the month. Better one handful and influence. Better one handful and love. All of these things are better, and you can have them if you choose to do things God's way. Let's pray. You know, I have no idea what this looks like for some of you, but if you don't shake this off and you let this speak to you, I believe that today you can begin to have a better life. If you're here today, first of all, let me speak to those that are Christ followers. If you would say, Aaron, I'm always busy. I'm always running around trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm tired. I'm absent from my family and what matters most, and I battle with two handful living. I need to repent. I need to return to doing things God's way. I need to consider how I'm living my life so that I can be positioned towards what matters most. I need to let go of things that don't matter. I need to cut back. I need to shut off. I need to throw out so that I can embrace more of what matters. If you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. I want to see this change in my life. If you'd identify that that's you, would you, nobody's looking around, would you just shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me, pray for me. Yeah, that should be most of us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that honesty. Yeah, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Father, I just, I just thank you for the honest hearts that are in this room. Lord, even for those that didn't raise their hands, I, I pray for them, God. Lord, I pray that you would reveal our need to cut back, throw out, and turn off what doesn't matter in our lives so that we can focus on what does matter most. We can have more of that so that we can experience your peace. We can experience all that comes with one handful living, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Show us how to do it. We need you, God. We need you to do this. And as I continue to pray, I want to speak to maybe those who are not Christians, those who are not Christ followers. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been filling your life with all kinds of stuff and what you found is that at the end of all this stuff, it's all empty. It's meaningless. You've filled your life with excess. You've filled your life with two handful living. And all it brings you is stress. There's no margin, no peace, no, no sense of accomplishment. You're lost. You're not satisfied inside. And there's a desire for something more. Let me tell you, God is what that desire is. He has a plan and a purpose for you that will fulfill you in ways that you cannot even begin to understand. Not yet. God has something that is better for you today. But you don't get to engage in that until you have a relationship with him. Unfortunately for you and me, our sin sets us apart from God. It is horribly offensive to him. We choose to live our lives our ways. And so relationship with him, there's this gap between us that has to be bridged. And the way that that gap was bridged is God said, I love you so much, I'm gonna send my son Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth and he walked us, walked this earth, lived a sinless life, and he laid down his life and died for you and me to pay the price or the penalty of our sins for us, a price we could never pay on our own. He did all of this so that you and I could be forgiven. He did all of this so that you and I could be different, so that we could experience God's love, be transformed by it. But more than that, he did it so that our relationship with God could be restored, so that we could understand what is infinitely better, and that is life to the fullest. Jesus said, that's why I came. 
so you can have what's better. And if you would like to have what is better in your life today, all you need to do is simply accept Jesus as Lord of your life. That means he's in charge. That means you're willing to learn from him and willing to follow him to choose that which is better every day. If that's you and you're here and you want to make that step of faith, you want to make that commitment, ask Jesus to be Lord of your life with nobody looking around, would you just shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. Pray for me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You know, there are others of you that are, that are listening through Periscope or maybe on podcast. We're going to pray a prayer, and if you would just join with us in prayer, I believe that God will meet you right where you're at. I don't care if you're on the other side of the world. I don't care if you're in my backyard. God will meet you wherever you're at. I don't care if it's 10 years after this recording has been made. God is that good that if you pray now, he will join you. This prayer never changes, and it goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, that you died a brutal death on the cross and rose from the dead three days later, that you did all of that to put God's love on display for me so that I knew how much he loved me. You did all that so that I could be forgiven. Forgive me of my sins, Jesus. Forgive me for doing things my way. I turn away from doing things my way and I'm asking you to show me yours. If you'll give me your spirit and show me how to live for you, I'll spend every day doing that, Jesus. Be Lord of my life. I need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.